Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. What is going on, Bip Sports fam? It's your favorite history teacher, Mr. Parker Ainsworth, here with another edition of FN Sports, the podcast where teachers grade sports' biggest issues, and we're recording the midterm tonight, brought to you by my bookie, on a wild Wednesday night of hoops. Uh, coming a little bit later in the week, we'll get into all of that later. Just a heads up, it will be a little bit shorter episode. We're going to talk through some picks for the NBA end of season awards, even though one of them has already been named. Anyway, without further ado, let's discuss. All right, so I feel like we need to explain why it is a short episode and a weird timing to get this episode out. So first of all, I want to make sure I plug the friends that have me on both at The Dream Take. The Dream Take is a Rocket-specific podcast in which I got to go on on Tuesday night and do all kinds of fun things talking about the future of the Rockets, Steven Silas, and so on. So please go check out that episode of The Dream Take wherever you get your podcast. I also got to go on and be a guest host talk about what's was supposed to be the NBA playoffs, I guess, but we also talked a little about Cliff Kingsbury and some Texas high school football-type things because you can't avoid text talking about those kinds of things as a Texan, I guess. Uh, so those were on the Corner Booth podcast. I was going to record those on Tuesday night with Jared and Savannah, and then that was a ton of fun, too. So with all of that said, Tuesday night had a couple of recordings, and in the middle of those things, again, this is the FN Sport Podcast, where teachers great sports biggest issues. I am a teacher, and we had to do a, like, it wasn't open house, but an open house type of thing with upcoming students for next school year at the school I work at in between both recordings uh, so that made for a busy busy night on tuesday some of that was relatively last minute planned anyway i digress the wednesday midterm episode did not get out by wednesday morning and it's getting recorded on wednesday now i had the bright idea to record this episode after the sixers uh, toronto game felt over and of course how's that game end it ends in overtime with Joel Embiid hitting a big time three at the buzzer james harden fouls out at the end of or near the end of regulation, misses the last couple plays, and all of overtime. And I have to say that Joel Embiid seems to really be trying to save Doc Rivers' job uh, between you know not having Harden at the end there, a couple awful challenges on the coach, and a 
couple awful, awful, awful. Cannot express how awful the out of, uh, out of timeout plays were for Philadelphia down the stretch there. Joel Embiid makes a miraculous shot and turn around three at the but with 0.9 seconds off on the shot clock, 2.6 seconds left on the game clock. Ball goes through with 0.8 seconds left on the game clock. Tremendous shot from a big time player, and we'll probably be talking about him in a little bit when we discuss the NBA awards. Now, this is the My Bookie episode, so you can use code FN Sports at mybookie.com to place your bets and double your deposit on anything that they have. Tonight we're going to be specifically talking about who to put your money on to win the various end-of-season awards. Yes, I know that they did announce the NBA Defensive Player of the Year award the other day was Marcus Smart. Shout out to him. I don't know if I would have picked him or not, uh, so maybe that means you should fade paint. Maybe that means I'll get the rest right. We'll see. But without further ado, let's dive in to the awards. All right, so as we go through these awards, we need to make sure that we mention uh, the finalists, the final three, I should say, of each award has already been named. So the odds have shifted some since we talked about this a few weeks back at the end of the regular season. But now that we have the finalists, we can also make more educated picks. Let's start off with NBA's Coach of the Year. The finalists were Memphis's Taylor Jenkins, Miami's Eric Spolstra, or Phoenix's Monty Williams. Now, I have a couple thoughts on the final three and how we got to those, but that feels like a later discussion. As far as making your picks and bet tonight, I'm going to say to go with Monty Williams. I feel like this feels somewhat like a legacy award for him. He's had a great coaching career. He's been through ups and downs, both in his personal life and his on-the-floor life. I also would reiterate a thousand times that on a purely basketball sense, he probably should have won the award last year. I know that Phoenix is currently having to play without Devin Booker in the playoffs, and they lost the Pelicans without him in the second half and those kinds of things. And so it may feel awkward when he gets this award if we see like the Suns falter, but trust me when I say that when healthy throughout the regular season, and even without Chris Paul for parts of the regular season, Phoenix was the best team in basketball, and that's no mistake. That's big, big chalk it up to the coaching kind of moment, especially when you realize that they were the best team in basketball and don't have an MVP candidate, right? Because Devin Booker did not make it in the top three as much as it, as much as it must hurt, I should say. Thomas Christian, who came on a few weeks back to talk about who he was picking for these kinds of things. Uh, I have to say that as I look at that, I feel like that means that Monty's going to get this. I'll talk more about some hot take I got in that in a second, but that's what I got right now. All right, so the NBA's sixth man of the award has three nominees as well. The three are Miami's Tyler Hero, Phoenix's Cam Johnson, and Cleveland's Kevin Love. Now, I will say Kevin Love there is, been, is fairly interesting. Tyler Hero feels like the favorite pick as far as my bookie goes, but I'm going to lean into Cam Johnson here. Now, hear me out on this. I could understand how before the finalists were picked, you could argue that Cam would split votes and how the Phoenix has so many more than just six guys and those kinds of things. But Phoenix bluntly had too good a year to only get recognized in one category here. And the only person besides Monty to get nominated for anything was Cam Johnson at Sixth Man of the Year. Now, I, I know that feels like a silly way to do this award. The easy, obvious pick and the reason the money is leaning towards Ty Hero being the favorite is because he's the Sixth Man of the Year that plays like 30-something minutes and also gets the most points out of any of these guys. But I do think that kind of thing lays into it. If you go back and look at the 2017 Rockets, my Rockets had Sixth Man of the Year award kind of locked up between both Eric Gordon and Lou Williams. They coached the year Mike D'Antoni. And for what it's worth, in a year where the Warriors signed Kevin Durant. You still had a bunch of people going with Daryl Moy for executive of the year. I think that felt like a consolation prize in a lot of ways because there's all these pieces getting put around James Harden, 
even though James Harden did not win the MVP that year because Russell Westbrook won the MVP, right? So it was like, well, we're going to reward that great season with several other pieces. And that was a team that did not have anywhere near the year that Phoenix just had. So I do feel like it feels like Cam Johnson may be somewhat of a hot take pick or a beating the odds type of pick here. But I also think that voters understand that Phoenix had a great year and that Cam Johnson making it this far is a symbol of where people are giving that credit to. Uh, Mikael Bridges did not win Defensive Player of the Year, so we know we didn't get it there. Uh, Mikael Bridges, for his worth, did get a pretty good voting turnout, it looks like. But in looking at where all the votes landed, I think it's safe to say that they're going to get more than one, and they only have these two options left. So I'm saying take Cam Johnson. Rookie of the Year, as much as it pains me to say, has no Houston Rocket featured. <laughs> Although I will say that we can get into a whole thing about, you know, is Jalen Green first team all rookie, whatever, much, much later. The three guys that they have nominated are Scotty Barnes of the Toronto Raptors, Cade Cunningham of the Detroit Pistons, and Evan Mobley of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think this has to go to Scotty Barnes. I know that he was actually the last pick of these guys, but I think there's a couple things worth mentioning here. Of the team success across the board, Toronto was the most successful team. And I think that the, for a weird reason, has to be playing in here because that's how you get Barnes having a top three type vote and Evan Mobley, even with the big drop off he had in the last third of the season, is still in this top three because of how good a season Cleveland had relative to expectations. Cade uh, Cunningham is a tremendous basketball player. I don't mean to diminish that, but Detroit did not have that kind of a season. I also think it's worth pointing out in watching Scotty Barnes from an aesthetic standpoint, he's doing lots of things that don't pop up in the stat book in a way Cade Cunningham or Evan Mobley do, but Toronto played in much more important games and thus was on TV a lot more often. Since they're on TV a lot more often, I feel fairly confident saying people notice those things about Scotty Barnes. I also feel like there was this weird like blogosphere, NBA beat writer, NBA story writer, storytellers all pointing out how phenomenal of an athlete and tough and aggressive and explosive and tenacious defender and all these like he he became an NBA Twitter favorite and Call me crazy, I think it's when those guys are voting that that actually matters, especially in an award like Rookie of the Year, where there is no real clear-cut definition of how to award that. Like, we typically give the MVP award to a great guy on a great team. I did a whole diatribe one time that had also matched up with win shares for 48 minutes. Um, I think that Scotty Barnes kind of fits this mold that everyone's like, oh, but he has such a great rookie year start to finish, where Cade Cunningham finished strong, Evan Obley started strong, Jalen Green also finished really strong, but Scotty Barnes was at a high point throughout the entire season, and I feel fairly confident in putting my money on that one. The next pick, I, I think the big surprise is in the final three people nominated, the finalists, uh, Darius Garland of the Cleveland Cavaliers, DeJounte Murray of the San Antonio Spurs, and John Morant of the Memphis Grizzlies are all nominated for the same award. There's one big outlier there, but this is the NBA's most improved player award. And I think the interesting thing is that if you'd ask people in like February, they might have been like, I know Draymond Green said as much, John Morant's more competing for the MVP than the most improved player. Now, I'm saying to put your money on John Morant. I know that people might think, oh, but that means people had him on their MVP ballot and it's more worth it to go for Darius Garland or DeJounte Murray. And I'm a big Murray fan. I got into it with 
Vince Stover's uh, Shout Out to the Sports Stove podcast, but I got into it with him on Twitter one time, talking about he and Shea Gillis Alexander. I think Darius Garland obviously had a big transformative year in his own career, but John Morant, by definition, was the most improved player this year. They went from a team that finished ninth in the West a year ago to a team that finished second in the West this year because of him. Yes, they played very well without him. Yes, they won a lot of games when he was out hurt. But at the same time, you cannot deny the impact that guy has on that team winning games. Kind of like the Phoenix thing also, if you're not going to give Taylor Jenkins coach to your credit, you got to find where that credit is due. And the improvement of John Moran is clearly where that credit is due. Also, we've seen this happen before where a future MVP candidate wins most improved player. In 2017, you saw Giannis Antetokounmpo win most improved player. In 2019, he wins MVP. In 2020, he wins MVP. I'd argue he should have won 21. Probably not in 2019, but I argue he has at least had those two MVPs. And he's nominated in a finalist again this year. That could be the kind of progression we're seeing, the rapid growth of John Moran. So I'm saying put your money on job for this, even as weird as it is to think of him after watching him for a full season as a, quote, most improved player. Again, it's an award that we don't necessarily assign a whole lot of specific values to we don't know like it's not a top point getter or a top of this or a top that john Morant didn't even necessarily have the biggest jump in points per game production or assists per game production or even points while he's on the floor production but he had the most clear jump out of any of these guys he transcended himself into a franchise cor- cornerstone a face of a team and a good team at that and i think that that's really important so i'm giving this award to john Morant, even if it seems relatively silly to be giving a top guy in the NBA, an award like, air quotes, most improved player. He just is, even as weird to think about, because the truth is, he was at the top of this game all season long, and it feels weird to think of him as, air quotes, most improved when he started the season like this and finished the season like this when he was healthy, and there was no, like, big clear jump. It was just like, oh, this is just who John Morant is now since October. I'm still picking him for this award. I'd say put your money there. The MVP is going to either be Giannis Antetokounmpo of the Milwaukee Bucks, we've said a couple times, Joel Embiid of the Philadelphia 76ers, as said a couple times, or Nikola Jokic of the Denver Nuggets. Now, I think that it's worth pointing out this is a regular season MVP award. This has nothing to do with the postseason. This has nothing to do with who you think is actually best in a game of one-on-one, or if you're picking teams in a pickup game, who's the one, number one guy you pick on five-on-five. This is who had the best season. I think there's a great argument for Giannis. I consistently argue, and I would discuss it on Twitter with you if you want to come find me at with 512 that Giannis has gotten better each season since his MVP. He should not, I don't think he should have won the one in 2019. I'd have given that to James Harden. He will Chamberlain type offense numbers. It's only going that different moment. But if Giannis doesn't win that one, I think there's no issue in giving him one this year, right? Because at the end of the day, it feels a lot less weird to give him a one-time champion, a second MVP, and that seems to matter to voters. The idea of giving Giannis a third MVP is like, well, now we're talking about a guy that's like LeBron, Jordan, Magic, is he going to be Kareem, right? Those kinds of things, and I don't think writers want to do that, so I don't think we're going to do that with Giannis either. Joel Embiid plays for Philadelphia. I think the interesting thing here for Joel is the Harden trade might have actually hurt him here. It's not that Joel Embiid didn't have an MVP caliber year or that Philly didn't have a great season, but Philly finished fourth. And if Philly finished fourth, that's not quite the top couple 
that would mean that they need to kind of buck both the win shares per 48 minutes trend and the top couple of seats trend. He didn't have a historic season like Russell Westbrook did with the triple doubles in 2017. And here's the last thing. I have long said media people by and large don't like Harden. I have long said media people by and large don't like Joel. I would say they don't like Harden more, but that's not really the issue here. The issue is those two came together like Voltron and everyone hates on Philadelphia. Philadelphia also, it appears to have been kind of tanking its way out of a first round matchup, a first or second round matchup, honestly, with Brooklyn. And that I think also rubs some people the wrong way. I also think there's some people that are acting like, well, of course they're a four seed. They ended up with James Harden and Joel Embiid. And all that happened so late in the season that I think we forget about how dominant Joel was for the first two-thirds of the season and how much he carried that team with Ben Simmons sitting at home not playing in the first two-thirds of the season and how all of that circus around Philadelphia happened around Joel Embiid and he righted the ship anyway. And then you get to things like the stats, he's, you know, league leader in points per game and da 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 all those kinds of things. I, I think that he's also a transformative big in a different way than Giannis is in that he's a true stretch big. He is both a stretch guy, shoots threes, as we saw the night I'm recording this, where he beats the Raptors one at the buzzer, and he's a true big. He's seven feet tall, bajillion pounds, and he puts his back to the basket and leans on people. He's a true rim-running threat, as we've seen with he and Harden in the pick-and-roll game. He also is a great contributor and distributor on the short roll. He's an all-around big that does all kinds of different things as opposed to fitting into a certain box. I think that is interesting to see. And do you see the next generation of seven-footers that are 200 bajillion pounds doing all of those things or attempting to do all those things as well? Because at this point, when you're that big, even if you're athletic, you don't necessarily try to put the ball on the ground the kinds of ways that he does and play with your back to the basket. Like, you've seen Carl Anthony Towns shoot, but he doesn't quite have the moves the same way. It's either he shoots, he pump picks and drives, or he gets the block, he'll try and put his back on you and do some little running hook thing. It doesn't quite work out all the time. This is not Carl Anthony Towns' disc podcast. That's just the difference between those two. It's a big, big difference. Now, that is all to say, I'm still riding with Nikola Jokic winning this. And I understand that he's going to probably have the earliest exit of any of these guys in the playoffs. I understand that he also finish the regular season as far as his team goes, wins and losses, be furthest out of first place. But I cannot see this award going to either Joel or Giannis. And I really, really have to say that I get that people don't watch the Mountain Time Zone in the same way. People don't watch Phoenix in the same way. People don't watch Denver in the same way. Don't watch Utah in the same way that they watch the LA's or the Brooklyn's or the Phillies or the Boston's or the whatever. But anyone who did any watching of Denver has oh my god type things to say about the way Nikola Jokic played this year as a point center amongst a team that was decimated with injuries Jamal Murray did not play this year Michael Porter Jr. did not play this year you saw that team fall apart at different times throughout the season Jokic was the steady Jokic was the creator the initiator he's throwing both creative passes that he needs to he throws creative passes out of necessity because it manipulates the defense and because he's got flair. He's a truly, truly generational type player. So much so that anytime we see a big man throw a funny looking pass or a different looking pass, it's like, oh, that's like Jokic. It's it's become this thing where we attribute any other great passing or flashy big man as if they were Jokic. Meanwhile, he also statistically bears out that he had a pretty good defensive year, good enough to be in this conversation, I'll say. 
you know, obviously he's having trouble with the small ball death line for the Warriors in the playoffs, like anyone would. But I think that that's part of the playoffs in the regular season. I don't think you can go back and ding him for this. I say put your money on Jokic. I know it feels weird to say he came in sixth. They're playing road playoff series because they didn't get it done. But at the end of the day, I really just feel like of these three guys, because there's going to be some stuff on Joel. They also just got a four season a lot better. I don't think Giannis is going to get it because only people feel comfortable giving him a third right now. Now, if he turns into the cream type guy in a couple years, maybe get a third, fourth, etc. But I don't think that's going to happen either. And I'm telling you guys, if you don't watch Mount of Time Zone basketball, if you don't want the Jazz or the Nuggets or the whatever, Jokic is playing at an unreal level basketball the last 24 months, and you're really missing out. And I feel bad because it feels like you're missing out on something that is not going to happen forever. These kinds of things don't, these kinds of runs don't last forever, especially on a team that it feels like could blow up at any time because they're, again, they're going to put it on Jamal Murray's injury, Michael Porter Jr.'s injury, and so on. But at some point, you keep rolling these dice, you got to mix it up, right? And I feel like if you're missing out on this, you're missing on something great. And I feel like that greatness will be recognized with the second consecutive MVP going to Nikola Jokic. As much as it upsets guys like Thomas Cruz came out a couple weeks ago, as much as it will upset certain people on Twitter that watch big market teams, big time games, etc. I think this award goes to Jokic. I'm saying put your money on Nikola. Okay, Parker. So the thesis statement for this commercial is James Harden has the best beard in sports. What do you think about that thesis statement? Oh, I give it an A. You know, as a Houston guy, we we seem to have an affinity for our beards between guys like him, Dallas Keiko, lots of big beards in the Houston area. What do you think about the thesis? So I'm a Jets fan, and I absolutely love the beard that Ryan Fitzpatrick has. So maybe I would give Ryan Fitzpatrick the nod over James Harden. But you're talking to a couple of bearded teachers, and we know a thing or two about making sure that you maintain that mane. So check out the beard struggle. The beard struggle, they make oils, they make balms, they even have have this heated comb to make sure that you get your beard straight so that you're looking fresh. I know I've really enjoyed using the oil they make for my quarantine beard of sorts. It's nice and long these days, but it'll <laughs> keep it nice and healthy and hydrated. And if you're listening to our show, you can use FN Sports 15 and get 15% off your oils, your balms, your shampoos, conditioners, whatever you need to use to keep your beard looking healthy. Absolutely. Check out The Beard Struggle at thebeardstruggle.com. Whether you're just starting to grow or you have a luscious mane already, The Beard Struggle's got all the products that you need. The Beard Struggle. Feast your face. Friends, that is another edition of FN Sports. It was the midterm. It was short. But if you feel like you got an idea of where to place your money before the last of the awards start getting announced on my bookie, be sure you use code FN Sports to up your deposit up to $1,000 on my bookie. They take all kinds of cryptocurrency as well. So if you're younger and hipper than myself, <laughs> make sure you get on and translate those types of currencies into $1,000. Again, you can double your deposit up to $1,000 using code FN Sports on mybookie.com. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere on my bookie thank you all so much tuning in the show you can find me on all my personal stuff and tell me why my picks are wrong at painsworth 512 that's p-a-i-n-s-w-r-t-h-512 on twitter and instagram you can also find this show on instagram and twitter on instagram we're at f underscore n underscore sports that's at f underscore n underscore sports and on 
Twitter. We're at FN Sports 2. That's F-I-N-S-P-O-R-T-S number two. All one word. We just broke 6,000 followers. Shout out to the people that follow the show on Twitter. On both of those social media handles, you'll be able to go to the link tree, which is in the bio. The link tree will take you to all of our sponsors, including my bookie, where you can place your bets. And you'll be able to find our merch store through all of those as well. Our merch store has a different charitable t-shirt or sweatshirt each and every month. So make sure you log in there, grab some swag, support the show, and a great cause. You can also support the show by just hitting download, subscribe, rate, review, do all those wonderful things to help out the podcast. And whatever you do when it comes to sports, don't plunk with us. Later, guys. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.